0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all.
2: And greetings, everyone. Welcome and thank you for joining us again today. You are tuned to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to your inner divinity. I'm Tom Schumacher.
3: And I'm Terry Kennedy, and our program today is on the subject of... Uh, Oh, wait, wait,
2: wait. You know, I I am getting a strong premonition that you're about to say... Uh Prophecy? I knew you were going to say that.
3: Oh, wow. Very uh, prophetic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, not only that, but I also have a strong (laughs) feeling
3: that if I continue milking this
2: metaphor, people will begin to tune out in large numbers. Now you're talking (laughs) real prophecy, Okay, well, it seemed funny at the time.
3: Well, I'm sure it (laughs) did, but prophecy is usually no laughing matter. You know,
2: Terry, it's not. Um, Since man has been on this planet, there have been prophets who have walked among us, foretelling catastrophe, war, and doom.
3: That's right. (laughs) These prophets are the harbingers, the voices crying in the wilderness, the ones responsible for the proverbial writing on the wall.
2: Yes, and in a variety of ways, they try to tell us what lies ahead, hoping to wake us up by putting important sticky notes with dire warnings (laughs) on the cosmic bulletin board of history.
3: (laughs) Well, that's that's really it in a nutshell, isn't it? They're doing their best to get our attention. You know,
2: and down through the ages, they've always been with us. Not always heard or heeded, but they're nevertheless... We're certainly familiar with many of them, like Old Testament prophets,
3: Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. And there were female prophets, too, like Esther and Ruth.
2: Yeah, again, it seems that all ages and cultures have had their share of seers, mystics, soothsayers, oracles, sibyls.
3: And the people would turn to these prophets for a variety of reasons. Would they have children? Would their crops be good? Would their business prosper? Would their quests be successful? Mm -hmm. How would they fare in travel and war?
2: You know, one prominent example of this that comes to mind is the Oracle of Delphi. I think Pythia was her name. Mm -hmm. And in response to questions from pilgrims, she would speak in cryptic rhymes, puzzles that could only be understood within the seeker's own personal or historical context.
3: Well, this seems to be a common means for prophets to deliver their prophecies. Going Going back to our reference to the biblical prophets, for example, these prophecies, like those contained in the book of Revelation, were often cryptic and terse, often requiring an understanding of history, law, and science to decipher them properly.
2: Nostradamus is another example of a prophet who wrote his prophecies in mystical quatrains. Call it terse verse.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And he wrote thousands of these terse verses that have (laughs) baffled and befuddled interpreters from his time to the present. Well, he certainly did,
2: and more on that in a moment. But bringing us closer to our own time, we see that prophets are still with us, sometimes terrestrial, sometimes not.
3: By that, you mean heavenly or earthly? Well,
2: exactly. Like the Fatima prophecies from Mother Mary, and those delivered at Medjugorje. Those I would consider (laughs) non-terrestrial or heavenly.
3: Okay, I get it. (laughs) Many of Mother Mary's prophecies have that mysterious brevity we've been talking about. What about more earthly prophecies?
2: Well, in our brief history here in America, we've had certain prophets and prophecies stand out, such as the apocalyptic prophecies of George
3: Washington. About a third world war on American soil. Now that's pretty ominous. Well, even
2: the prophecies of our more modern prophets, Edgar Cayce and perhaps even Gene Dixon, mm-hmm. often appear in terse and mysterious couplets.
3: And speaking of Nostradamus, we've got a very fascinating lecture coming up from Elizabeth Clare Prophet, in which she focuses on the prophecies of Nostradamus. We'll be playing that shortly, so we hope that you all stay tuned. Well,
2: Nostradamus' prophecies actually cover a very large span of time. In fact, I believe he has recorded prophecies that speak of future events all the way past the year 3700. Wow. But again, more on that in a bit.
3: Well, first, though, we want to tell you why we've chosen to focus on prophecy today.
2: Well, particularly in light of what many serious-minded people have chosen to believe concerning the end of the Mayan calendar, perhaps the end of the world. Supposedly in December of this year.
3: And that's right around the corner. No kidding. <laughs>
2: so there are a couple of questions we must ask ourselves regarding how to deal with any prophecy, ancient or modern, and they will seem obvious, but they bear repeating. First of all, is prophecy real?
3: Well, of course the answer is yes. The prophecies of countless prophets have been shown over time to be true, sometimes with amazingly precise accuracy and detail. Nostradamus comes to mind. Again,
2: yeah, he does. And just as numerous prophets have been proven to have prof- prof- prophesied accurately, just as many, if not more, have missed the mark by the proverbial country mile.
3: Yeah, and, and how many have predicted the end of the world? <laughs> yeah, more than one. Yeah, and if any of them had been proven correct, we wouldn't be here right now.
2: Excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to the next and obvious key question. Why are some prophecies accurate and others not? And let's call the answer
3: to that the human element. If we look at prophecy as potential rather than fact, the wild card is always the element of choice, of free will.
2: Prophecy, from the gentlest to the most strident, is really intended to show us a potential future. It's what could be if we don't wake up and change our ways. Prophecy is not cast in stone.
3: And yet, though this is probably an obvious statement, There seems to be a rule of selectivity when it comes to choosing which prophecies we will accept and which we will reject.
2: Well, a lot of people have embraced the 2012 prophecies of the Mayan calendar, for example. And many of these predictions are rather dire, such as predicting the end of modern civilization as we know it.
3: Okay, now that's dire. Yeah. But there's one particular historical fact worth noting about the Mayan writings, and they are only a fragment of once what, of what, of what once existed. Well,
2: that's true the Spaniards were very thorough in their efforts to destroy the writings of the Mayan civilization. In fact, only three of their codices remain, and a small fraction of a fourth. So we don't know what other predictions the Mayans may have made in relation to the ending of what they perceived as a 26,000-year cycle.
3: And according to the calendar that survived the Spanish Purge, the ending date is very precise.
2: Well, that's right. December 21st, 2012, at 11.11 11, a.m.,
3: to be exact. Sometimes a lot of precise detail can add a level of authenticity.
2: Yeah, which may explain why so many have chosen to give the Mayan prediction such a high degree of credence.
3: But here's what we hope you will all keep in mind. Their potential first, not necessarily fact.
2: If we heed warnings and consider seriously where we have erred and then chosen to change our ways, we can avert disaster. By our actions and free will, we can literally change the course of history.
3: So when we pay attention to the writing on the wall, when we look at world events and recognize the root causes of the chaos and misery we experience, such as current economic conditions, we have the power to affect change.
2: When situations in the world reach a breaking point, such as with economic manipulation, or even worse, with a blatant disregard for life in practices such as abortion, there is a weight of karma that is bearing down on the
3: earth, begging to be released. And this great karmic weight and debt could, indeed, be the catalyst for massive earth upheaval and changes.
2: Which is why we turn to God, and why our fervent prayers can turn the tide and literally bring in a golden age.
3: It won't be easy, and it probably won't be quick, but it doesn't take a rocket surgeon to know that something (laughs) has to give.
2: Well, you know, deep in our souls, we know things must change, that we must turn to the light. If we don't, then we will truly make profits of the Mayans and others who have predicted the demise of modern civilization.
3: What if the Mayans were actually predicting a massive change in the nature of consciousness? Yeah. A mass awakening. There are some who believe this is the true focus of the Mayan calendar and the cumulative effects of moving from the end of an old cycle to the beginning of a new cycle.
2: Well, just like we're experiencing now in the change from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius.
3: And this brings up the third and final question we can ask about prophecy. Is prophecy rooted only in human consciousness, or is it divinely inspired?
2: For those of us who who have grown up in the West with almost any degree of religious background, we have been taught that the Bible was divinely inspired, which would naturally extend to include the many prophecies it contains.
3: And we must assume that the Fatima and Medjugorje prophecies are also divinely inspired.
2: And perhaps many others as well.
3: Nostradamus.
2: Well, you know, stay tuned for the answer to that question. But divinely inspired or not, prophecies is about giving us glimpses of what might be, not necessarily of what is or will be. The point is
3: this. Prophecy is not cast in stone. It can be changed, altered, diverted, and canceled out completely.
2: But we must be careful not to give it power. We are literally the controllers of prophecy, not the victims of it.
3: So, some action is required to assert our control. Prayers and decrees are the key. We have told you recently about the worldwide Violet Flame Vigil. It is currently being actively maintained in 71 countries, and Violet Flame can literally change the world.
2: Well, more precisely, it can save the world. The Masters have told us that if we would just maintain a constant Violet Flame Vigil for 30 days... We could literally change the world
3: then we would have no need to ever again fear any doomsday prophecy because we would wield the greatest power ever known on this planet or in the entire universe for that matter to affect our lives and our destinies the right way
2: okay now we promised that we would share an excerpt on prophecy with you from a lecture on the topic by Elizabeth Clare prophet including some very interesting revelations about the possible source of the prophecies of nostradamus were they divine We'll find out after a brief break, so don't go away.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel Seek greater awareness.
1: On the spiritual quest our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature Fulfill your divine purpose and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org.
0: This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door.
2: Is prophecy unchangeable? Are the four horsemen of the apocalypse about to pay us a visit? Was Nostradamus divinely inspired? Here for answers to these questions and more is Elizabeth Clare Prophet.
4: We have a right to know what is coming and the reason that God gives us prophecy is not because it is a predestination or a prognostication that cannot be changed. It can be changed and this is what is so powerful and important about this very cycle that is coming upon us. We ask about the ride of the four horsemen, and we say, must they happen? And we say, no, economic debacle, war, and the nuclear nightmare do not have to come to pass. Nostradamus' prophecies, the scriptural and Fatima warnings as well, are given that we may act in time to meet them with the all-consuming fire of God and the command to the seven archangels to deliver God's people in this time of trouble. Divine intervention is the key to undoing the untoward prophecy that is but a mathematical equation of karma which tells us what will happen if we, the people, do nothing. That is what Saint Germain's message is all about. And he cries to the people of the new age, the age of Aquarius who recognize the light within themselves and that our God is a consuming fire and that he is culminating his mission in the violet flame to deliver us by that action of transmutation. The violet flame is the key to the age and our book, The Science of the Spoken Word will show you how to use it and give you many mantras. First of all, I believe that the spirit of prophecy that was upon Nostradamus came through the heart of St. Germain. And this thesis is supported by Nostradamus' own description of the setting in which he received his prophecies. He is alone at night, seated in his secret study, which he tells us is a specially built room in his attic. When a small flame comes out of the solitude and brings things to pass which should not be thought vain then when all is set divine splendor divinity itself sits beside him in order to dictate its message the power of saint germain not only dictated through nostradamus but he is dictating today He is coming to interpret those messages that were written then, and he is coming to give us his word. A step-by-step delivery of the dictations tells us where we are in turning back the tide of darkness, where we are in balancing personal and planetary karma. Let us then consider. Nostradamus, as you know, was a 16th century seer. He was born in 1503 in Provence, France. He had an excellent education. He learned mathematics, Hebrew, Greek, Latin astrology. He studied medicine, became a doctor of renown. used unorthodox cures. He went about healing people of the plague, but he could not heal his wife and two children who died of that plague. Profoundly grieved, the spirit of God moved within him. He continued to serve as a doctor and studied under some of the greatest minds of Europe. He later married a well-to-do widow, settled down in a little town of Salon near Marseille and began writing his prophecies in 1555. And from that moment on his fame spread quickly. His quatrains were cryptic. They are four line verses gathered together in centuries, 100 quatrains per century. He scrambled them, He made them extremely obtuse because at that time people like him were burned at the stake, accused of witchcraft and black magic. What we have to understand about these prophecies, which many of you have read is this, that they do not apply to anything. They cannot be rested. They cannot be taken beyond the written word. They say what they mean and they mean what they say and they refer to one historical event only. They are highly accurate. And in addition to their historical accuracy, past, present and future, they have a mystical dimension. To give you an example of the accuracy of these quatrains and therefore why we should be listening to them for the 20th century, let me take century 9, quatrain 34. It accurately predicted the fate of Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette in their flight to Varennes, their ultimate capture and demise. Here is the quatrain. Listen how cryptic it is. The husband alone, afflicted, will be mitered. Return, conflict will take place at the Tuileries. By 500, one betrayer will be titled, Narbonne and Sals. We have oil with knives. This is impossible to figure out except when the event has come to pass solce was the grocer and mayor of Varennes who detained the king and queen turned them over to the guard and brought them back to paris the guard brought them back to paris just on the border of france where they were seeking to escape the we have oil is a quote of someone speaking to the grocer he sold oil in his shop the count narbonne is the betrayer who was titled and he was louis minister of war one of the nobility whose actions contributed to the king's ruin. The phrase return conflict will take place at the Tuileries by 500. A year after the king and queen's return to Paris, a mob led by 513 Marseillais, known as the 500, attacked the Tuileries, set it afire, and killed 600 of a Swiss guard. The husband alone afflicted will be mitred. To miter is to bestow with a miter, which is a hat worn by bishops and abbots. During the siege, Louis was confronted by the mob without his guards. He was left alone. The mob forced him to put on the red cap of liberty, which was used by the revolutionaries. Its shape resembled a bishop's hat and it was called a Phrygian miter. So every word of that quatrain applies to the details. Now, can you imagine this seer seeing this 200 or more years before it took place? This is the astounding thing about prediction. Does it make you feel that we are locked into predictions that we cannot turn back? In fact, this is not so. It was the reading of karma of all individuals who were party to the French Revolution and what would come to pass unless... There would be divine intervention unless light would descend, unless something higher than their karma would intercede. We have to realize that predestination does not bind us, but that the law of karma is a stern law. It can be broken by the grace of God and through the sacred fire of the Holy Spirit, or else that mathematical formula of karma will come to pass. Take the instance of King Henry II of France. At any moment, he could have decided by free will to escape his fate. He was the victim of his pride. He died after a jousting accident on July 10, 1559, just as Nostradamus had predicted in Century 1, Quatrain 35. The quatrain reads in part, The young lion... Count de Montgomery, captain of the Scottish Guard, will overcome the old one, Henry II, on the field of battle in single combat. He will put out his eyes in a cage of gold, taken to mean the king's gilded helmet. With an apparent medical diagnosis of his injury, Nostradamus writes, two fractures, one. The predicted outcome was that Henry II would die a cruel death. This is exactly what happened And yet many people begged him not to enter this final joust On the tournament day which was a celebration of a family wedding He would not listen to his wife or the prophecies or even the Pope himself who had warned him And so in another quatrain Nostradamus stipulates certain events will occur in the year that France has a one-eyed king This was 1559 The ten days during which the wounded Henry II ruled France, one of his eyes was put out. From the moment of this fulfillment of prophecy, Nostradamus was guaranteed fame and the solicitations of the court. The prophecies were couched in terms so specific that it can be seen they related to one event, Stuart Robb, who is a very well-known interpreter of Nostradamus, says that they are obscure until overtaken by events, at which time they are eminently clear, and owing to his precise use of language, allow only one possible interpretation. The problem we have then is that the well-known interpreters, Edgar Leone, Stuart Robb, Erica Cheatham, and Renee Norbergen, have in fact, in some very crucial places, taken their interpretations of Nostradamus, basing them on their worldview or wishful thinking or mistranslations. Saint Germain says that people today have a right to know what is coming upon the earth. It is accurately written in these quatrains and it is accurately written in this book for you to digest and study. I will take up as many as time allows. Nostradamus quatrains take up the signs of the four horsemen and predict for the 20th century famine, cataclysm, earthquakes, plagues, economic turmoil, and wars. He says that there will be almost renewed another reign of Saturn and a golden age. He says that the period of the four horsemen, which we are now entering and in the midst of, will be followed by this period of regeneration. Every one of us here is determined that by the light of God that never fails, we shall survive this period of the four horsemen and we shall experience that period of earth's regeneration and a golden age.
2: That's right, and the golden
3: age. A golden age.
2: Well, up next, our weekly Q&A. And today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us.
0: Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: On the Spiritual Quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, Fulfill your divine purpose and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The 7th Wave
0: Channel on The Voice America Network.
1: You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door.
2: And we are back, and joining us, as we mentioned, is Sidney Bennett. Hi, Sid. Gentlemen. Hi, Sid. Okay, prophecy. Prophecy. <laughs>
5: you know, just think of that word, and when you hear it, I think you'll, uh-oh. <laughs>
2: yep. What's coming? Trouble's coming, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
5: yeah. um, and I think that's understandable, because it's the unknown which causes fear. The known you can sort of plan for and a is the unknown. So when you hear the word prophecy... I think it just brings that up, that sense, oh, oh, what's coming now? Do I really want to hear this? <laughs> and I think we have to change our mindset a little bit. True prophecy is our friend. And, to, you know, this is a very simplistic um, way to put it. But if you're going down a road and the road ends and on a cliff and nobody tells you, and you go off the cliff, you say, well, why didn't they put up a sign or tell you or something? <laughs> and so, you know, think of prophecy that way. This is where we're going. If You don't want to end up there. you got to do something different. So, of course, you have to recognize what is true prophecy and what is not true prophecy um, to do that. And, uh, you know, people like to shoot the messenger if they don't like uh, the message <laughs> yeah. as well. And that's why the prophets of old, you know, they said, God, you really want me to be a prophet? I'm not sure I want this job. Jesus. But anyway, so if we go with that approach, that prophecy can be the greatest help that we can have on this uh, planet and where we're going, as St. Germain says, we need to know where we're going. The second thing is, as we prepare for what may or may not be coming on the earth, you know, you hear people making all kinds of preparations and so forth. And the masters are very practical in terms of, you know, getting ready, storing some extra food, being prepared if the power goes off and so on and so forth. But the very first thing you have to do is get right with God, because there is no safety or security on this planet or anywhere except in God. And so in dealing with prophecy, that, in my mind, is the first place you go. What is, what is your relationship with God? you know what is what is your ability to interact and feel and become those things he wants to become because that's the ultimate goal it's not just physical survival it's becoming one with God in our Christ self so when you do that again it changes the whole mindset it gives you a certain peace because fear is very debilitating and of course some prophecies do bring fear and so Mm -hmm. people either they become so overwhelmed with them that they deny them or they just become so fearful that they do irrational things so You know, it's a balance there. So let's look at prophecy as our friend and understand it, and most importantly, know how we can change it.
2: Yeah, well, admittedly, prophecy is a very broad subject, and as you heard during our first segment, we simplified our approach to prophecy from the standpoint of these three questions. You know, is it real? Must it happen? Is it divinely inspired? So let's kind of go back, maybe organize this, and start with the first question. Is prophecy real?
5: Yes, it is, and I think we've got a lot of examples of that in the Bible in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Jesus predicted that the stones of the temple would come down. And, of course, they did in 70 AD. So, yes, there's been a lot of prophecy. It is very real. And as I mentioned before, it really is a gift of God mm-hmm. uh, to help us. So, you know, But you have to have a little discernment, too, because anyone can predict the end of the world. Anyone can predict this yeah. or that. <laughs> and um, so you have to know where it's coming from to act upon it and to take it um, you know, seriously uh,
3: and to try and change things, either personally or on a global scale. Well in this vein we've all experienced gut feelings intuition hunches tuning into things that ordinarily we wouldn't know do these fall into the category of prophecy
5: well i think they can it's you know a type of prophecy in terms of you know our holy christ self will speak to us give us guidance you know you really don't want to go there you don't really, you know you get a feeling this is not right for me or something right. and so that in essence is a form of prophecy and you know we have the choice to ignore these promptings from god and from our holy christ self and of course, that's, you suffer the consequences, just as if you ignore prophecy, you suffer the consequences. So it always comes back to discernment. You know, when is my Holy Christ self me? When is it a voice that is not of the light, uh, saying something to me and so forth? And that's the same with prophecy. So that's why it's got to begin spiritually with our attunement with God, with our I am presence and to have those, understand those nuances, those directions, whether they be of a very personal nature, or a prophecy that applies to a much a much broader scale.
2: You know, you bring something up there, um, Sid. That um, a lot of people are not that familiar with this concept of the Christ self, and so we we sometimes insert um, conscience or the still quiet voice within, right? You know, that this discernment that you're speaking to is also a listening grace, isn't it? I mean, this it is be- true,
5: and it's something you have to ask for and work for. Um, you know, Jesus says the kingdom of God is within us, our holy Christ self, our I am presence. But each one of us has a very personal Christ self. It is the Christ consciousness. And ultimately, we are to become one with that Christ consciousness as Jesus became one. And so we kind of make, make steps in that direction. And we can call to our holy Christ self, to Jesus, if you prefer, to give this guidance and direction. But this is the beginning of not only understanding prophecy, but taking action to divert or change it.
2: Okay, now I, I'm going to take one of my legendary left turns here, because uh, I know I'm going to get some email on this. I thought I would just anticipate it. Um, as you know, the names of the messengers of the ascended masters who founded and spearheaded the Sum Lighthouse are Mark L. and Elizabeth Clare Prophet. Now, these are real names. They're not made up pseudonyms. Uh, Mark Prophet, though he was indeed a prophet, was given that name at birth. Would you care to elaborate on our messengers in their roles as prophets?
5: Well, I'd be happy to, and I think it's you know it's ironic to put it mildly hmm. that Mark's name was his family name was Prophet, and um, you can almost see God smiling at this little <laughs> yeah. uh, occasion. You yeah. know, see how people deal with that because it's almost a pattern, of, like, and see how people react to it. But the messengers are in a long line of souls that have been chosen by God to bring forth truth, to bring forth understanding, whether it be prophecy or teachings or whatever. And this is not something that this, you know, suddenly they were plucked out of uh, <laughs> nowhere and said, Hey, you come on over here, yeah. I'm gonna make you a
3: prophet. Right. They
5: prepared for these roles and have prepared for the for hundreds and thousands of embodiments. And they've become to this point where they have a certain attainment and ability to be an instrument of God. And so that's why uh, we uh, look at both Mark and the prophet, yes, as human beings that made human mistakes, had their own psychology, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera but also as being instruments of God that, mm-hmm. that can bring forth these teachings and an understanding, like Mrs. Prophet has done for the prophecies of Nostradamus, because St. Germain aspires her to do so. So, you know, we look at that, we look at the prophets of the Old Testament, they weren't perfect either, I can assure you, <laughs> it, that uh, they were lamenting their, their their life a lot of times, what happened to God, are you sure you really want me to do this, and so forth. But it's an understanding that God does use people, they have used the prophets, uh, uh, and both literally and figuratively in this case, um, to to bring forth truth, it's up to us to have the discernment, and understanding to try and apply it in our lives. So no, thanks, right?
3: Okay, let's uh, let's address our second basic question about prophecy. Once a credible prophecy is uttered from a credible source, must it happen? Well, of course, I think we got
5: a very clear answer to that in in Mrs. Prophets lecture. The, mm. abs- the answer is absolutely no. And of course, you wonder how many of the trains of Nostradamus have not come true because they've been averted or changed. Mm-hmm. Of course, we don't know that for certain, but clearly prophecies. Have been um, changed. I mean, we have a lot of psychics out there. <clears throat> excuse me. That in the past twenty or thirty years, have predicted cataclysm, dire things, and they haven't come to pass. And they've been mystified why they haven't. And of course, the answer is because prophecies may have to be changed, and there's been enough light and violet flame invoked that for has been able to change those prophecies. Now, will we have enough light going forward? I mean, that's the that's the question we're all facing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you mentioned biblical prophets a moment ago. We also did too in our first segment. You know, have their prophecies been accurate? And haven't? Well, in fact, I think in some cases they've been fairly safe prophecies to make, wouldn't you say?
5: Well, that's true, but I wouldn't say that to Noah. <laughs> I mean, he was a guy that when he built the ark for a hundred years or something yeah, like that. And you he, can imagine, uh, you know, Bill Cosby used to have a routine about that. I don't know if you remember that. But you yeah, eat? yeah. So, yeah. so anyway, um, you know, it's one thing to bear your ridicule for a while, but Noah bore it for a hundred years, yeah. waiting for this prophecy to yeah. come true. So, yes, I mean, there are some prophecies in the Bible that, that can be considered somewhat generic, you know, false Christ, false prophets, wars and rumors of wars and so forth. And you mm-hmm. could say, well, that could apply to many different ages. And I think that is true because there are cycles of karma and so forth that come forth. But then there are very definite mm-hmm. prophecies that have been made that I wouldn't call safe. You know, they're very, very specific come to pass. And so uh, and we shouldn't necessarily judge a prophet because
3: they don't come to pass either, mm-hmm. you know. We'll get yeah. to that later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this context of fairly easy prophecy to make, isn't it, isn't it more fruitful to consider the true nature of prophecy as a, an early warning system? Well, absolutely, and I think let those that have ears
5: hear, um, mm-hmm. because what happens is people get numb a little bit. Here, and especially today in the world, there's so many dire predictions, whether it's money in the government, and wars, and so forth, that eventually you just become numb. You say, I, you know, I can't even process all this. It's just too much. I'm going to, you know, tune into Monday Night Football or something. Right. And that's not always a bad thing, I might add. But, <laughs> but the point is, we don't want to be so overwhelmed that we don't see the true prophecies and the way we change them, because there's a, there's a force out there that wants us to do nothing. And that is the greatest mistake we can make on a personal or planetary scale, is to do nothing.
2: Yeah. You know? Well, it is any wonder that since the dawn of time, prophets have been persecuted you were referring earlier to the, their rather rotten retirement plans, <laughs> or, or lack thereof. But, I mean, I guess that's why we have that saying, that ignorance is bliss, or that what we don't know won't hurt us. You know, prophets who bring us glimpses of painful, uncomfortable truths kind of have a steep hill to climb, don't they?
5: Well, it is. And, and again, you know, nobody wants to hear these dire prophecies. I mean, it's it's not yeah. appealing to any of us. And yet, we also understand from cosmic history that the continent of Lemuria sank, and the continent of Atlantis sank through the misuse of God's energy on these on these uh, continents. We know that on Atlantis, for instance, the Ascended Master teaches there was a plenty of warning that this was coming, and that many of the adepts, are very advanced spiritual beings, actually physically withdrew from that continent um, and established their their residency elsewhere um, long before the continent sank. So prophecy can be very valuable. And again, I'll go back to you know our relationship with God and our desire to do God's will and so forth. If we just want to, you know, I'm planning for my retirement. This is kind of <laughs> rocking the boat, so to speak. I'm going to play golf, you know, for 20 years or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, again, we got to shift our consciousness and mm-hmm. say, okay, we really do want God's will. We want to survive. We want to move forward. So we have to pay a little attention to this because there are serious things going on in this planet, and they have the
2: potential
5: to be very serious.
2: Do you think it's fruitful to study um, these prophets like um, Nostradamus, for example?
5: Well, I, I think it's, it's, you know, many, many people have tried to interpret Nostradamus, and it's not easy, mm-hmm. as, as we see that. We have a book that's called Saint Germain on Prophecy that oh, I think is, is very valuable, that helps kind of understand not only some of the prophecies of Nostradamus, but also in terms of how we view prophecy and look at it and so forth. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be a great prophet to see that the world is in trouble today and the, you know, the wars and the rumors of war and the economy. I mean, that doesn't take any any prof- great prophecy to see it. No. But what prophecy comes in, it says, okay, if something doesn't change, you know, this is going to unfold. And that's, again, goes back to the ride of the four horsemen, et cetera, Armageddon. And again, it can be overwhelming, but remember, If we as individuals take stock of these things and take action, we can have an impact on whether these prophecies come to pass. And, you know, one time when the Ascended Master said that the planet Earth right now would be an asteroid belt if they hadn't Mm -hmm. interceded on behalf of the planet. So it does help and it does work, intercession. And it may not totally avert something, but it may mitigate it to the point where its impact is far, far less.
2: Yeah, now uh, you brought up this book, Saint Germain on Prophecy, and I think I would like to remind our listeners that the the lecture material that we heard a, a little while ago from Elizabeth Clare Prophet it was actually from a lecture on Saint Germain on Prophecy, okay. and in fact she mentions that um Nostradamus' inspiration was Saint Germain. Right. So this is a good book, folks. If you want to pick up something and kind of get a, a clear idea of just what's underneath all this. St. Germain on Prophecy by Elizabeth Clare Prophet.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You'll find it. You'll find it.
3: Well, from the teachings of the Ascended Masters, we know that one plus God is a majority. <laughs> is it really possible for one person, I mean, think about this, for one person to avert cataclysm and negative prophecy?
5: Well, Jesus held a balance for us for 2,000 years um, and averted that cataclysm and that, that darkness, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's coming due now. So I would not be someone that would say one person can't do it, But again, we're looking at an equation of light and darkness, and there needs to be greater light than the darkness in terms of averting these things and so forth. So, um, you know, the karma is there. We've created it. It's coming back. It's a law, just like the law of gravity or any of the laws of the universe, and something has to intercede if that's not going to have its full impact. Now, whether that's one person or a hundred or a thousand, I don't know the answer to that, but I do know that each one of us has to take accountability for this, because there are things we can do that will make a difference.
2: Yeah. Now, you know, Terry, I know you're burning to ask this question. Yes, yes. Because we've talked about it before.
3: Tell me I think guess. we
2: have time for it, actually, right now.
3: Okay. Well, this uh, <laughs> this may seem like a, a funny question, but to follow up on the previous one, or what we talked about previously, wouldn't the most successful prophet be the one who was wrong all the time? <laughs>
5: yeah.
3: I mean, it sounds funny. but I mean, if it's their job to warn us and their prophecies inspire us to change our ways in time, then their success as prophets would be measured against what didn't happen rather than what did, right? Well, that's true. And, of course, the classic story of that is Jonah
5: in the Bible. And if ever there was a reluctant prophet, it was Jonah. You know, he had to get swallowed by a big fish to get him attention. But, but, But most people remember that part of the story, but they don't remember he went and told the people if they didn't repent, all this destruction would come upon them, and shock of shocks, they repented, <laughs> yes. and, and they changed their ways. And Jonah was almost sorry about this, if you read the Bible, right. because, of course, his prophecies didn't come to pass, or God's through him. <laughs> and so, yeah, the answer to the question is yes, the, the greatest prophecy is one that doesn't come true, or the greatest prophet. Um, but that's the whole point and the whole goal. So, and, and that's a very clear example of where prophecy can be changed. It mm-hmm. was changed in terms of Nineveh.
2: I just think that's a great question, because you look at prophecies that we pay attention to, they're the ones that come true, and you think, well, that prophet could have done a better job of kind of, you know, not going go ahead and saying, hey, guys, wake up, you know, this is not what happened, you've got to, you know, pay attention.
3: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's almost like a parent, if you don't quit hanging out, to a teenager, if you yeah. don't quit hanging out with these, these, uh these kids that aren't, Aren't going anywhere. Uh, yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna end up in jail or whatever. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. And so you, you're thinking your parents are always wrong. Yeah. In fact, they're right. I know. You remember know. that, you remember that, um, uh, Mark Twain's quote about, uh, leaving home because his parents were so stupid. He couldn't just, he couldn't understand how they didn't know anything. 18, he left home and he came back at 21. He said he was amazed at how much they'd learned <laughs>
3: in the last three years. <laughs> well,
2: it was because of what yeah. he learned, obviously. Yeah, that's you know, that right. He, he sensed they were right. Well, anyway. Yeah. On this um, topic of prophecy, I've always kind of wanted to reach for that place of divinely inspired, you know, the whole component. There are a lot of uh, mainstream prophets, people like Edgar Casey, for example. We'll probably talk more about him in the fourth segment. But, you know, Gene Dixon, people like that, when they are trying to be right, sometimes they're being so cryptic that they almost can't be wrong simply because they're not giving us some information. You know?
5: Yeah. And I think, you know, of course, nowadays, it's not like the time of Nostradamus when people are burned at the stake. I mean, there is a <laughs> little more openness. And Edgar Casey yeah. was, you know, pretty specific on some of his prophecies mm-hmm. coming forth. So, you know, again, it's a matter of sorting them out and understanding them, not being overwhelmed by them. But knowing they can be changed, and maybe in the next next segment we'll some talk about we'll talk about how we're going to change prophecy.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good time now to take a break. Um, but folks, please don't go away. When we return, we'll continue our discussion of prophecy with Sydney Bennett.
0: The Voice America Seventh Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the
1: change. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home. And their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org.
0: The Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
1: You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door.
2: And we are back for more discussion with Sidney Bennett on the fascinating subject of prophecy before the last break, among other things, we were talking about the dangers of focusing on prophecy without realizing our power to change it. Anything you want to add about that? Well, I think
5: that um we understand that that fear, when it's focused on will will bring to pass those things which we fear the most um it it, it fear attracts fear, so there's a healthy concern let's put mm-hmm. it that way that we need to have about the world situation about the prophecies but we have to be careful not to focus so much on the fear aspect of it that it literally gives it energy and brings it to come to pass Mm -hmm. I mean it it sounds funny to say that but it's actually true and so the reason we're giving prophecy Is to understand with karmic equivalent what may be coming if nothing's different. It gives us an opportunity to prepare for what may be coming. You know, we prepare for the worst and hope for the best. We mm-hmm. trust in God, but God expects us to be prepared, and that may be a physical preparation in terms of I mean, we know the Mormon store. I don't know, is it eighteen months, eighteen two years of food, something like that? It's quite a bit. It's quite a bit, and, and a lot of people feeling you know if something happens to the. The power grid, how am I going to get by? Those are not wrong things. They're they're, pr- they're practical to do
2: that. Well, trust in God, but tie your camel.
5: Indeed. <laughs> you know, a number of years ago, St. Germain s- told people that he didn't feel it was safe to remain on the coasts of the United States. And, you know, <laughs> is this still relevant today? I mean, I think each one of us, wherever we live, need to say the prayer to God. God, am I where I need to be? Whether it's, am I, should I, and I'm not saying whether you're supposed to be on the coast or not. I don't know. But I think it's important we ask the angels to tell us, if we need to remove ourselves to a different place, please, God, and we're not moving out of fear, it's it's practical, it's prudent, and of course, we have to make sure it's God speaking to us, and not some other voices. But again, this goes back to the importance of having a spiritual foundation to dealing with prophecy. In my mind, there's no other way to deal with it, because number one, it delivers from fear and anxiety. Whatever comes or may come on this planet, and people have free will, we can't forget that, and the karmic cycles, I am with my father, he loves me, he cares for me, whatever that situation will be, I know I can be at peace about that. And then you know that spiritually, then you prepare physically for what is appropriate and a prudent and practical. And then you go to work to try and change the prophecy through this invocation of spiritual light and again
3: to change that equation of what's manifesting. Yes. Well the third question we pose concerning prophecy is this is it divinely inspired? Obviously, we're not referring to all prophecy. I mean, we can possibly safely surmise that Madame Lola and her mystic devil dog Poopsie <laughs> are getting their psychic info from other than divine sources. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think the real question is this. How do we discern divinely inspired prophecy from the rest? Well, I think you look at the source, for
5: one thing. You look at the track record if it's there, um, and you look at the vibration. And this is where your Holy Christ self or God can help you with that. You know, there's a lot of people that have, quote-unquote, psychic ability. And I think a lot of them are very sincere about what they're seeing, but they're not seeing at the highest possible level of a spiritual perspective. And so they see glimpses and pieces and so forth. And so we have to be very careful, in spite of their sincerity, of taking these uh, too seriously. Um, Because, again, they may see things but only see them in part. So we look to uh, the source of where it's coming from. Obviously, our perspective is that the Ascended Masters are a very high and holy source for that and have given us these warnings and directions and so forth. And so you do have to use your own discernment and ask God to show you what is true and, and what isn't true.
2: Wow. You know, a lot of people claim to have um, access to the Akashic Record. Um, is that something that we would be able to discern whether their information is accurate or not?
5: Well, the Akashic Record of course, being the record of everything that has transpired on this planet since right. the beginning of time. Right. And, uh, you know, that's almost hard to comprehend, but the way the computer technology is going today, you can see how even God could do that. But, you know, yes, again, people can get glimpses of it and pieces of it. But, you know, even though people have good motives, they may not have the attainment spiritually or the purity of heart that's necessary to bring forth accuracy. And so you got to shift these things, so to speak, and, yeah. and weigh them. Um, but, again, it doesn't take uh, a psychic to see that this planet's in trouble right now and that the way things are going, if, if things aren't changed, um, it could be pretty dire.
2: Yeah well yeah and I think we were mentioning the Saint Germain of prophecy a little while ago and um the connection between Saint Germain and Nostradamus um that would give pause to anyone I think to pay attention right I mean
5: what well, what well, would Tom and you know I think maybe this is the point I'd like to just interject a little bit here about okay so we've got this knowledge of prophecy we've got all these things that are predicted and so forth we've got the equation of the world we're, we're getting ourselves right with God as it's the number 1 thing But again, what can we do that is different, can change things? And I think this is the fire of God, as Mrs. Prophet mentioned, that needs to be invoked. We have the science of the spoken word, our decrees. We've talked about those extensively. We've talked about the incredible power of the violet flame that literally can transmute and repolarize karma. So it's it's like almost a bulletproof vest, if you will. (laughs) The bullet may get through, but it might just be a little thud on your chest versus something that takes you out of embodiment. So the key to dealing with prophecy is invoking light. The Ascended Masters have taught us how to invoke light in the name of our I Am Presence, our Holy Christ Self, in the name of God. By our own free will and the free will of people on this planet, the karma has been made that has caused these prophecies uh, to come forth, of this karmic cycles or karmic things to be set in motion. Therefore, by our own free will, we can invoke the light of God that will transmute, mitigate, and in some cases, completely prevent this karma from coming on the planet. And, and what I love about this is, and God is so amazing in this, mm-hmm. while we're doing this for the planet, we're also making calls for the transportation of our personal karma. In other words, it's not either or, it's both. both. So we benefit, our families benefit, the planet benefits. And um, if we understand that this is an equation of light and darkness, we need more light. Well, just saying that isn't enough. We must invoke the light. The ascended masters to the science of the spoken word have taught us how to use the light. We have decrees the masters have given us that will maximize that light. And, of course, the violet flame is the greatest light for the transmutation of this world karma. We have hope. And we have hope if enough people will invoke this violet flame into the karma that's coming upon this planet, that it will be changed and it will be mitigated. And this is where it comes back to the individual. I can't control what other people to do can do, but I can control what I do. And you know, if you're at all interested in these teachings and want to change your own life and the life of the planet, try the violent flame. And let's make these prophets be fa- prophecies be false.
2: Yes, yeah, indeed.
5: Um, and, and not what they're, they're predicted to be. Well, and I think mm-hmm.
2: the, the reference we heard was um, in the lecture was the all-consuming fire. I believe that's what we're referring to here. Right. The violent exactly. flame. Um, Can you give us an example um, of how to wield this all-consuming fire? Yeah, and and again, it doesn't have to be complicated.
5: You're invoking light. It's like turning on a faucet, you know. I don't know if you're invoking water, but the water comes out. you got to turn on the faucet. And so we turn on the faucet through our decrees, prayers, and mantras. I mean, Mm -hmm. a very simple one we talked about before. I am a being of violet fire. I am the purity God desires. Earth is a planet of violet fire. Earth is the purity God desires. Now, that's a simple one, but there's many, many, many you can give that will help us to draw forth. We use we have visualizations of the power of the violet flame, uh, and I love to see the violet flame as a flamethrower going forth dissolving, <laughs> and consuming too? my substance, oh, yeah. and whatever is a burden upon this planet. If we could see the weight on the elementals, the nature of spirits upon the planet, upon our souls, I think we would be shocked at the weight we're carrying on that weight can be lifted, it can be transmuted, it can be turned back to its original power and light that was came forth from God as, and suddenly not only will we be different, but the planet will be different. If we don't do this, or, or invoke the light in some way, then what's going to avert the prophecies? Because the law of karma is a law. It's not wishful thinking, it's not going to change these prophecies, it takes action.
2: Well, I think on that note, it's probably time for us to wrap up another show. I mean, it's amazing how an hour has just flown by. Oh,
3: we had questions we wanted to uh, ask.
2: We can, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have another opportunity, I'm we'll, sure. We'll bring Sid back. I want to say, I said, are we on the rink? <laughs> <laughs> well, but apparently the answer is no, it's up to us. You know, we have free will. But at, at this point, I just want to say thank you again for your insights, Sydney and Terry for a lively discussion. It's always good to do this. I'm really. Just very pleased yeah, to have this is. opportunity.
3: And we want to thank all of you out there for joining us today.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.